Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to tunein.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Welcome to Face Connecticut, an in depth look at today's issues. Good morning and welcome to another edition of Face Connecticut on WTIC News Talk 1080, 96.5 TIC FM, and Light 100.5 WRCH. Aaron Kupek with you this Sunday morning, and we are pleased to be joined by Wendy Flynn. She is Boating Division Education and Outreach Lead with the State Department of Energy and Environmental Protection. And we are in National Safe Boating Week. It began on Saturday. It runs through the 28th, and she is here to talk about that. Good morning to you, Wendy. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Well, first of all, before we get into safe boating, let's just talk about boating in general there has been a huge uptick over the last year or so during the pandemic. Yes, there has. Um, a lot of people were getting out on the water, which we're so happy about. But we did see about a 40% increase in new boat sales from 2019 to 2020, which coincides with, you know, the COVID season. Um, but yeah, there was, so there was a huge increase of new boats, uh, even larger increase in registered boats. We have about 97% increase in new registered boats in Connecticut. And then, you know, with that, with new boats, there's also, you know, more people getting their boating license, taking a safe boating class, which is mandatory in Connecticut. You have to have a boating certificate to operate a, a, a any kind of vessel in Connecticut or any vessel with a motor, I should say. And with that, we're also seeing plenty of um, usage at our state boat launches. You know, they um, people were looking for ways to get out, you know, out of the house, but be safe, you know, during COVID and, you know, the water and as well as our state parks, you know, they were definitely a place to, to get out there and, and enjoy nature. What tips do you have for someone who might be a first time boat owner or for someone who has upgraded to maybe a larger and more powerful vessel? So my advice would be, um, you know, definitely get your boating license. If you don't have it already, our classes are listed on our website. And if our classes are full, then you can always sign up for uh, one of the classes through our private providers. And if it's been a while since you've either used a boat, had a boat, or maybe you're increasing the size of your boat and you need to take a refresher, you can always sit through a class and you'll always learn something new in a class. And, um, and some of our private providers also do some, some hands-on, on-your-boat type of training. So there is that as a possibility as well. What sort of topics are, are covered in the classes and how long do they take? So our classes are eight hours. Um, which is uh, the legal legal requirement. And our classes cover all things safe boating. So 
um, you know, wearing your uh, proper use of life jackets. Uh, we do cover a little bit of navigation. I'm sure somebody's heard, heard of uh, red, right returning. Um, that's one of the common phrases that people can take away from the class, you know, and just the safety equipment that they'll need, um, you know, having navigation lights, the stress, you know, some of the environmental stressors that can occur when you're boating. Um, you know, we cover, oh gosh, whatever, how to get your boating license. Um, you know, uh, what does the green buoy mean? You know, uh, what does the red versus the green mean? Stuff like that. So we cover all that stuff. Um, as well as, um, you know, keep keeping an eye for the weather, pay attention to the tides. It, it really is a very uh, all-encompassing uh, class in, in eight hours, which doesn't see, it seems like a long time in the beginning, but once you kind of get through into the class, there's it covers a lot of information. All right. So explain to me if someone says, well, I have a driver's license, I can drive a car. What's the big difference driving a boat? There, there are some key differences, aren't there? There definitely are some key differences. So, I mean, when you're on the road, you know, everybody else knows the rules. There's, you know, you either you're driving on one side of the road um, and everybody for the most part pays attention to that. When you're on the water, while there is a little bit of a, you know, stay to the right type of thing, um, not everybody does that because some boats have, a, you know, their draft is bigger. So they have to be right in the center of a channel or, you know, um, you know, there's, there's just, there are some, like, so that's one difference, sorry. And, uh, you know, another difference is, well, boats don't have brakes. So if you're kind of going, you know, too fast into something or, or the current is taking you or something like that, you know, you really have to be able to, to know how to handle, handle your boat and to get out of that situation if that comes up. Talk to me a little more about personal flotation devices or life preservers, as people call them. Yes, life jackets. Um, so every boat, on every boat, there has to be a, a life jacket that fits a per, each person on the vessel. So if you have two children, you have to have two um, child-sized life jackets that fit their weights. For adults, um, you know, again, usually adult life jackets are size, usually small, medium, large, um, you know, and that kind of uh, sizing size types. But um, there are you know, there's a, a regular life jacket that you normally see, the one that has the clips. It, that's called an inherently buoyant life jacket. But we also have inflatable life jackets. So that's where once you, if somebody were to fall in the water, it would go from like a small, thin um, vest type of uh, life jacket to kind of a big poofy. It inflates uh, with carbon dioxide. So it kind of that's what helps hold you up. The authorities do check. I will tell you, when I was a kid, my neighbor took us out on a boat and he didn't have the right number of life jackets. And he said, well, if we get asked, we'll just hold up the same one twice. And you know what? They boarded the boat and they sighted him. So <laughs> it's something you really want to do correctly. Yes. Yeah. So they could even um, they can even end your voyage. They can send you back to dock and say, sorry, you can't go out anymore. So, you de yeah, you definitely want to have life jackets. I mean, it's anything happens. You put your life jacket on and, you know, that'll help you, you know, um, keep your head above the water even if help is is nearby but you know it's you know so when you fall in the water you know sometimes people get nervous and and having your life jacket on is very important we definitely encourage everyone to always wear your life jacket while you're underway you can take it off when you're you know when you throw the anchor you're back at dock but you know when you're underway it's the safest thing to do is to wear your life jacket now another big focus of national safe boating week is 
alcohol and boating. What are the rules when it comes to that in Connecticut? So the rules for boating on boating under the influence are the same as driving under the influence. We have the same. Um, it's 0.08 uh, makes you legally intoxicated. Uh, same thing on the water versus car versus water. It doesn't say it doesn't uh, it doesn't make a difference. But when you are out on the boat, uh, we do encourage if you will have people that will be um, having a couple beers or anything like that. Definitely designate a, a captain for the boat. That person stays 100% sober for the day. When you're out on the boat, you're also, you know, have, we have uh, environmental stressors. So the sun beating down on you, you know, the wave action. And then if you kind of throw in, maybe you're not drinking enough water or anything like that. Those can, um, if you were to be drinking, those can kind of make you seem like you're a little bit uh, worse off than you actually may have been on the land. Who enforces the rules on the water in Connecticut? Is it a combination of agencies based on where you are? Yes, it's a combination. So we have our DEP, Environmental Conservation Police Officers. So they're on the water. The state police can also enforce on the water. There's um, local town and city marine patrols that can enforce on the water as well as the Coast Guard. Let's talk a little about boating basics and, and etiquette. If you are are new to this and you've gone through the class, but you're still you know, a little nervous about going out on the water, what are some things to keep in mind in terms of keeping to the right or left of certain buoys and not creating issues for other mariners? Right. So, um, you know, if you're definitely a novice, novice boater, you know, maybe stay Try some inland lakes and ponds if you'd like to. You don't have tide action there. But if you're definitely, you know, I need to be on the salt water or on one of the rivers, you, you know, just kind of pay attention to what other boaters are doing. you got to stay to the right even a little bit more just to make sure you're in deeper water or anything like that. Just kind of watch, you know, watch what other people are doing. You might see some people doing the wrong thing, but more people do the right thing than the wrong thing. So you can kind of just, you know, pay attention to your surroundings, pay attention to what other people are doing, you know, and, and that, that'll keep you kind of learning the lay of the land, so to speak. But when it comes to, you know, just kind of having some boating etiquette on the water, you know, you don't want to send a wake over, you know, and, and swamp out a, a kayaker, you know, um, if you're a, a paddler, no, you don't want to be driving right down the center of, of the channel or anything like that, you know, just be attentive to your surroundings and into other boaters and everyone can enjoy the water that way. Now it's a two-way channel as well. If you're in a smaller craft, you should also, you know, keep an eye on the, the, the larger boats and, and give them the right of way if they have to say be in the middle of a channel, correct? Absolutely. Yes. The smaller boats, uh, so paddle crafts, yeah, you definitely have to get out of the way. Um, for the for the larger vessels, sometimes they may not even be able to see them if it's if it's a really large um, vessel, like a commercial vessel or something like that. Um, sometimes it's harder to see smaller paddlecraft. Now, every year it, it seems there are cases where maybe a, a a kayak or a canoe gets loose and someone spots it and calls the authorities as they should, concerned that someone might be in distress in the water. How can you help guard against that or at least bring it to an end quickly if people know who to contact about the vessel? Right. So um, all motorized boats do have to be registered. So that's how you would find out, you know, you um, Marine Patrol would be able to look up the, the Connecticut registration numbers. But for paddle craft, that does not need to be registered. So a stand-up paddleboard, a kayak, a canoe, 
sometimes those can go, can be found adrift, so without any any person in them. And because they don't need to be registered, they don't have the Connecticut registration numbers, they don't really have any information that's identifiable. So we do encourage those um, paddle, paddle craft to, um, to put on an if found sticker. And what that is, it's um, a large rectangular sticker that goes on the inside of the boat. It is a completely voluntary program. And you would just put your name, yourself, either your cell phone number or the number where um, whoever you tell you're gonna be out on the water. So where whoever you file your float plan with. And then that way, if your boat is found adrift, the Marine patroller, the person who finds it can try to reach out to that person to say, hey, I found your boat. Are you okay? Are you safe? Or you know, do I need to notify authorities? You can actually request those, those stickers on our website. You're listening to Face Connecticut. We are talking to Wendy Flynn. She is Boating Division Education and Outreach Lead with the Department of Energy and Environmental Protection. Now, if someone is looking for a, a place to boat, maybe a state boat launch, where can they go to, to find a listing? So we have um, a list of our state boat launches in our boater's guide, which you can pick up at uh, marinas, um, retail stores, or boating-related retail stores, uh, town halls. And uh, eventually, when our offices get open, we'll have some out for the public as well. But there's also a, um, there's a digital copy online uh, of the Boater's Guide, which has the list. But we also have an interactive online directory of boat launches. So you can look up by towns or by areas, um, kind of just look overall at the boat launches. We do have 117 state boat launches. And with last year, um, you know, we did see, um, we had a, um, our capacity, our boat launches got to capacity um, it increased 79% last year than the previous year. So we are expecting some higher um, closure rates again this year. So we do encourage people to check out the directory on the website, check out the directory in the voters guide, uh, pay attention to our Twitter, um, because that's where we will put if boat launches are closed and get out and visit different boat launches that you may maybe never even knew existed or, you know, just something new, something, you know, a different type of water and a different adventure for, for that day. So it might be good to have a plan B if the first boat launch you want to go to is already at capacity. Yes, I would always recommend having a plan B that you might be okay with, with doing, yeah. Do you have any favorite boating places around the state without, you know, divulging any secrets and, and you know, getting a stream of people there? Um, one of my favorites is, uh, is actually just up the street here from my building. Um, it's on the Lieutenant River. It's a beautiful, um, easy paddle, and um, there's plenty of fish jumping. You'll see um, ospreys, you'll see herons, you'll see everything, um, and it, it really is beautiful. We always hear the public service announcements about the importance of cleaning the bottom of your boat when you're moving it from one body of water to another. Why is that so important? It's important to clean the bottom of your boat because sometimes, oftentimes, boaters are responsible for transporting aquatic hitchhikers. Or, And what that means is pieces of plant fragments. Um, sometimes, uh, more often in the western side of the state, there's zebra mussels. Um, for anyone that has ever boated on the Connecticut River, or has was there last year, uh, we currently have a large influx of hydrilla, which is um, unfortunately growing rapidly 
and doing what invasive plants do is it's um, starting to push out all of our native species and um, and is, is starting to make boating a little bit difficult in some of the more shallow coves. So we want boaters to clean, drain, dry their boat. So clean, remove any kind of vegetation or debris, drain any water from your boat. So whether it's in the ballast or a, a live well or anywhere that holds water and then dry their boat for uh, seven days during hot, dry weather and four weeks or 28 days during cool, wet weather. Now that's kind of crazy, I know, but because our boating season isn't that long, so we, all, we have the clean, drain, dry, or wash. So if you're not gonna dry your boat, you know, you're gonna be going out to maybe two different lakes um, in over the course of the weekend. If you can just come home and wash your boat, um, hot, high pressurized water is the best to kill off everything, but we know that that's not very common. So um, using some vinegar, some uh, boat wash, you know, your garden hose and just getting, making sure that there's nothing hitchhiking from one water body to the next. Because once these invasive species make it into a body of water, it's really tough to get rid of them, isn't it? Yes. Um, eradication is almost impossible. So it comes down to controlling the how, you know, the how far they reach. And, you know, that can ver get very expensive. So whether there's, you know, adding some herbicides to it, uh, bottom barriers, which is like a large tarp that kind of covers, covers the plant and kind of tries to kill them out that way, but um, control methods are very expensive. Now, depending on where you're boating, there must be different rules in terms of the, the size of boat allowed or whether or not you're allowed to have motorized craft. Uh, where where will people see those, those rules? Yep, so those rules, if you're gonna go to a new boat launch, um, we do suggest you take a look at the boater's guide. So if you're on the Boaters Guide finding your new boat launch, you'll also see the local ordinances, which will give uh, the information on if there's a horsepower restriction, if it's limited to electric motor only, um, the quiet hours, if there are any, you know, if there are any traffic patterns on the lake, that all that information will be in the Boaters Guide or is in the Boaters Guide. Going back to preparation, we, we talked about the life jackets. Are there any other items that may not be required, but you would recommend to boaters going out on the water? Let's say, so anything that would be just a recommended item, um, an anchor. Um, an anchor is not a required piece of equipment for your boat, but let's say something is happening and you know, you gotta stop the boat. Like I said, there's no brakes on a boat. So, well, unless of course you have an anchor. So an anchor can kind of just help you stay where you are. So if there is a situation that you need to handle, throw the anchor, it hold, it stops the boat for until you're ready, you take, until you take the anchor out, or you throw the anchor and you can go swimming. You know, um, you find somewhere that's perfect and you know, you can enjoy your day there and you can have a picnic. It, of course, you have to make sure it's allowable, but um, you know, it, it, an anchor is definitely something that you should you should also have besides all the required equipment. Talk to me about the importance of keeping an eye on the weather, too, when you hit the water. Yes. So in Connecticut, I, you know, even if you're, regardless of where you are, we've all been caught in a, oh, my gosh, I didn't know that storm was coming. So you, if we're on land, you know, you can you can seek shelter. But if you're out on the boat and all of a sudden this gigantic storm comes through, which is, that's normal for our summers in Connecticut, you know, usually 
especially in you know late July and in August. So you know, keep an eye on the sky. You know, if you see if you see dark clouds starting to form, you know, start making your way in. Um, you know, the other option is you're going to have to ride it out, and you know, weather can get pretty bad pretty quickly. So um, definitely keep your eyes on the sky. Even a perfectly clear day, a storm can pop up. So you definitely have to you know pay attention. You know, have your your radio on to you know to hear any weather you know weather updates. If you're close enough to shore to get signal, you know, use your cell phone to check the radar as well. Now, are radios re- required for for a certain size of boat in Connecticut? Um, in the, uh, the marine world, yes, most boats do have VHF radios, um, and if you do have a radio on installed in the boat, you do have to have it on just to pay attention to uh, to the surroundings. VHF radios are not. Um, required to to be used in an inland like marine uh, or i'm sorry in an inland you know lake freshwater situation if you do run into trouble say you become disabled on the water who do you call turn on your vhf radio and you can call for you know call for assistance to the coast guard you can call assistance that if there's any nearby boaters that can can help um you know with you know whatever the situation is but there's also um there are some um, private companies that can, um, that can assist, you know, that's kind of what they do, um, on the water in case something breaks down, they can come out. Um, usually you have a membership to those and, um, you know, you just call them up and say, I'm, you know, here's my coordinates. I I need some help. Have you found that boaters in general are are willing to to lend a hand to a, a fellow boater in need? Absolutely. There's generally a, uh, you know, everybody helps everybody, you know, you're, driving, you know, down the river and everybody's waving to each other, you know, stuff like that. So it's, you know, it's a, it's a friendly place out there. Um, but it's definitely, you know, you, you definitely have to, it's fun. Uh, we always we have a saying here in the boating division that boating is serious fun. So, uh, definitely can be fun, but it, it's definitely, you have to have safety in mind when you're out on the water. Out of curiosity, how far North is the Connecticut River navigable? Can you go from the the mouth down in Old Saybrook all the way up through the the length in Connecticut? Yes, you can go all the way up to the dam. Winds are lost. Have you noticed some places uh, growing in popularity compared to to others over the years? Has that changed, or does that that stay pretty much constant? No, I, everything pretty much stays constant. Um, you know, last year there's just an increase everywhere which was fantastic. Like I said, you know, people going out, enjoying, you know, our wonderful, you know, natural environment in Connecticut. Um, but, you know, we just have to be mindful of, you know, capacity and, and keeping safe still. And when you think of paddle craft, at least for me, you, you think of canoes and you think of kayaks, but are paddle boards growing in popularity? Yeah, you know, um, there's a lot of stand-up paddle boards that you'll see out there. Um, I, w- I would say stand-up paddle boards and kayaks are probably a little bit more uh, more common to see out, you know, than canoes nowadays. If someone wants to to break into paddle crafting, would you recommend starting with with a a, a kayak or a, another sort of vessel? I think a kayak is a pretty good way to start. Um, uh, boards can actually be, um, uh, very chippy. I, I know that's not a true word, but you know, you can, uh, it takes a lot of effort to really stand up and keep yourself, 
you know, standing and um, without falling in. Um, it is a lot of fun, uh, spin up paddleboarding is, um, but it, I think it takes a, a little bit more coordination. Um, kayaking is, is again, I mean, you can still fall out of a, uh, you can still fall out of a kayak and it can be fun, but, um, but really, you know, maybe the, the best way, if you're, if you want to get into, uh, into, you know, figure out which kind of paddle, paddle craft that you want, you know, there are, uh, retailers across Connecticut that do, that you can try different ones. You know, you can rent a kayak one day, you can rent a paddleboard or maybe even not a day, you know, a couple hours or something like that. So they do have options. So before you go out and kind of commit to buying something, you can rent it and just try it out and see if you like it. She is Wendy Flynn, Boating Division Education and Outreach Unit Lead with the Department of Energy and Environmental Protection. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to Face Connecticut. I'm Aaron Kupek. Enjoy the balance of your weekend. Face Connecticut is a production of the News and Public Affairs Department of WTIC Radio. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively sports. Back clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Yes, and even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. It's better over here. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allowed 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months.